Hi everyone, welcome to the Homeschool Superheroes Week. My name is Britton LaTulip. I'm the author of the Art of Raising Children for Greatness series, and I'm the president of Blue Manor's Online Academy. Today I wanted to um, talk about motivation because I keep hearing from homeschooling moms that they're, that they're struggling. Not, not necessarily that they have the wrong curriculum or that, they, that they're a bad teacher or that there's anything wrong with their kid, but they're struggling to motivate their kids. Every day is a struggle. Uh, their kids just don't want to do their schoolwork. They're not excited about it. And a lot of these um, parents, especially new homeschoolers, will quit. They'll just put their kids back into the public school system. And then uh, that malmotivation will be the public school's problem, uh, not theirs. Homeschooling shouldn't be that hard. Kids should be excited about their education. So if they're not, you know, something's gone wrong. In the Art of Raising Children for Greatness series, there's a few books. One of them is Education. That's the second book in the series. We have the next one coming out next month. And uh, and then a few years ago, there was Revealing School. But in that book, we, we talk a whole bunch about motivation because it is key to giving kids an elite education or raising them for greatness as, as we talk about. It's key. You cannot drag your kids to greatness. So motivation is huge. Today, I'm going to talk about probably one of the most important principles of motivation, although there it's an art. There's a whole bunch of principles. But today, I just want to talk about one that's, I think, commonly missed. And what I'm going to talk about is the primary motivator, making sure that education is the primary motivator. A few years ago, I was at a homeschool convention and I was talking to a mom and, and she was talking about how she's big on motivation. She, she does a lot of different things, but nothing seems to be working. I asked her what she, she did and she said, well, my, my son, he, he hates to do his math, but he loves video games. So what I do is, is if, if he does an hour of math and he, he gets his stuff done, then I let him do an hour of video games. And for the first few days, it seemed to really work, but now it's, it's not working at all. He just wants to play the video games and he's not doing very well in math. In fact, he's getting worse. He's just rushing through his work. And that made perfect sense to me because she's not actually motivating her kid to do his math. Video games is the primary motivator. That's what he really wants to do. And what she's done is she's made math the pill he has to swallow to get to his video games. So the entire time he's doing his math, he's, he's thinking about the video games, so he wants to play it, and that makes math that much more annoying. He's just trying to get through it as quickly as possible. And because he's rushing to get to the math, he's not really focusing and learning the principles. He's rushing through answering his, his work, and then he's getting a whole bunch of stuff wrong. His mom has to correct it, and then he has to go back and redo it, and that's even more frustrating because he's already supposed to be playing video games in his mind. So that's a real problem. Um, she has made... Uh, video games, the primary motivator, and math is the secondary motivator, uh, if even if even that. Uh, it's a secondary motivator because he is motivated to get it done, but only to get to the primary motivator. So if we want to raise our children for greatness, if we want to give them a great education, and we want this to be a, a pleasant homeschooling experience, we have to make sure that we get education, the math, to be the primary motivator. Uh, get them motivated, as motivated to to play or to do math as they would to play video games. And believe it or not, that's possible. That's a reality in my home. Um, I know that seems very far-fetched to a lot of you, but hopefully by the end of this talk, you'll see how it's possible. Um, so there are actually two ways to turn education into a primary motivator. They're both very scientific. Uh, the first one is alchemy, and the second one I call relativity. So alchemy. Hopefully you, you've heard of alchemy. Uh, alchemy was the failed practice. Uh, well, actually it's just chemistry. It's turning one element into another. Uh, but a lot of people try to use alchemy to turn other elements into gold. That, I don't think that ever worked as far as I know. If it did, that's awesome. It was secret. Nobody found out. But that's what alchemy is. So we want to turn 
education, the math into the primary motivator that, that it is that video games usually is for kids. We want them to be that excited so that they're eager to get to their math every day. Almost so you have to like, 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 hey, there's there's more to life than math. And believe it or not, that is uh, that is something that we deal with in my family. My kids love math, or most of them. And we've actually had to stop, like say, hey, you gotta stop doing your math and go outside and play a little bit. And we did it through alchemy. There's many forms of alchemy. The first one I'm gonna give you is the most obvious, that's fun. Everybody knows that, I just wanna start there because everybody knows that. And so what we did is we actually turned math into a video game. There's this program, it's like an online program, it's called Prodigy. It's, it's a fun little video game. I don't know what ages it goes up to, but I know that my six-year-old is obsessed with it. And all it is is just math, it's a math, video game. And he became so obsessed with this video game, he'd actually crawl into our bedroom early in the morning. You know, you get that sense like something's not right. You wake up, you feel a little weird, like somebody's watching or somebody's in the room. Several mornings we had that sense. And, and then finally one day I wake up and I see my little son's beady eyes like looking at me. He's got that the tablet. And he was getting the tablet early because he wanted to get up before his brothers and sisters and get on that tablet um, before he had to share it with other people and get some, some extra math in. So he literally, because math is now a video game, he literally is obsessed, almost to the point we have to put the brakes on, but he's obsessed with his math. So we transformed math into a video game, or we would call that you know, the, the primary motivator, fun. And fun is a great motivator. Um, however, when we talk about raising children for greatness, we wanna get past the fun as, as the primary motivator. Um, it, it is an easy thing to do because fun always works. But if, if you think about motivation, in life, not everything can be fun. Not everything can be a video game. Not everything can, can be super exciting and enjoyable. And actually, fun is not the, the most important motivator for most people. When I was in, uh, uh, in the military, I tried out for Army Special Forces, the Green Berets. I actually got selected, so it's pretty cool. Um, but, it, but during that, there was, there was a phase where we all went into a room. So these are all candidates to be Green Berets. And they went around the room and they asked everybody, what was their motivation? Why do they want to be a Green Beret? And the funny thing was, and this makes sense, of course, the Green Berets. Um, and by the way, I'm not a Green Beret. I did get selected for the training, but I didn't, I didn't finish the training. Um, but there's a whole, whole bunch of different things people said. And you can imagine, you know, some of it was patriotism, a sense of duty. They wanted a challenge. They wanted to see the world. The one thing that nobody said was fun. So fun was not a primary motivator. And th these are the, the, you know, Navy SEALs, Special Forces, Operations Communities. These are the most highly motivated people on the planet. And fun was not even a part of the equation. So we have to get past fun. There's more to life than fun. There are deeper motivators than fun. But I wanted to give that one because that's, that's the most common one, fun. Fun is a form of alchemy. Okay, another form of alchemy. This is, I think this is actually a little bit higher. This is a little bit closer to a, a, a deeper motivation. And this is competition. Almost all kids love competition, especially if they're any good at it. Competition is, can be easily be a primary motivator. And it's really easy to turn competition, or, or, or I should say schoolwork, education into competition. Um, a few years ago, my daughter, my daughter's always been kind of a geography whiz. So she does on the academy, Blue Manor Academy, she does all the geography. She knows when she was like a little kid, like all the states, all the countries, pretty impressive actually. But all of a sudden she just kind of lost some interest in geography. It wasn't that exciting anymore. She knew most of it. She didn't see any practical, practical application. So I was trying to get her motivated again and we turned to competition. I signed her for Geography B. It worked amazingly well. 
Um, we had a local homeschool group. We signed her up for Geography B. Just competing, just knowing that she's going to be answering questions in front of a crowd, uh, putting, putting her own neck out there and her own reputation out there, that already was a primary motivator. Um, and then the great part is the first year she didn't actually do that well. In fact, there's these kind of other rival kids in the homeschool group. Um, my two oldest are, are both girls. They're sisters. There's these two brothers who are the same age or about the same age, and they become kind of like rivals. And... The first year, one of those boys actually won, and my daughter didn't didn't do as hot. So the next year, she was a little bit more motivated because that sense of competition. She wanted to do better. And then as they were practicing the second year, these one of the other brothers made a comment because they were in a competition just for fun. This was before the, the actual uh, geography bee. And one of the brothers commented that the brothers beat the sisters. So that got my daughters all fired up. They came home, and they started studying a lot more. They actually went online and bought their own geography B curriculum off of Amazon. That's how motivated they were with their own money. And I didn't have to set up a schedule. I mean, it was so, so easy. I didn't have to do anything. They were self-motivated. They set up their own schedule. They studied geography all the time. Uh, they ended up competing. It was funny because the brothers and the sisters lost. Some some other, actually girl beat, um, beat all of them. She was new to our homeschooling group. But that was the primary motivator. They were super motivated. I didn't have to crack any whips. I didn't have, it wasn't a daily struggle. I don't even know what they were doing. I mean, they were in their own, their room, just studying like crazy. Both of them are young. My oldest is, is now 12. My other daughter is, is 10. And they both know way more geography than me. And I write, I write geography curriculum for Blue Manor Academy. So they're total whizzes. And I didn't have to crack a whip. It wasn't a daily struggle because we used competition. And you can actually do this for anything. I don't recommend doing it for everything. Not everything can be a competition. But if you have a, a kid who's like, there's a subject that they need to learn and it's just not super exciting naturally. Like some kids love to read. So you don't have to turn reading into a competition. But maybe it's geography or math or something that they're just not super enthused about. You can make it exciting just by turning it into a competition. There's a there's a hundred ways to do this. Um, you can join, you know, Bible Bowls. If you want to get really passionate about the Bible, sign them up for a Bible Bowl. They'll be on a team. They'll be competing. It's exciting. They'll want to learn a lot more. There's spelling bees. There's geography bees. There's chess tournaments. If you want them to, to get more into farming and agriculture and experience that, maybe they're not really thrilled, sign them up for, for 4-H. That's a really exciting way to get them motivated. Competition is super powerful. I had a list here. Let me see if there's any others that, that I'm missing. Um, you know, chess tournaments, science fairs. Yeah, science fairs. My kids aren't super thrilled about science all the time. So that's maybe something that we'll do in the future, get them signed up for a, a science fair. Just by transforming science into competition, it's motivating and your kids will excel. Um, and, and, the, and the great part is, is even if your kids aren't winning, they're still gonna be, they're still gonna be better than most others. Like in our chess club, we have some kids that they never win any tournaments or anything, but if you sat down and played them chess, they'd probably beat you. The worst kid on our chess team can probably beat most of the adults. And it goes for geography. My, my daughter hasn't won the geography bowl or B yet, but she, her level is so much higher than the average public school kid, so much higher than the average adult or even college graduate already at 12 years old. And my 10 year old, I think she's, she might even excel more because she's really fired up for some reason about geography. Um, so that's important to know that even if they're not winning trophies, it's not about that. It's just that competition kind of lights that fire in them. So that is another form of educational alchemy. Competition, we have fun, that's obvious. Then we have competition. There's gonna be tons of them, but I'm gonna tell you one more. And that is friends. 
So if you've read any of my books like education, I'm not a huge fan of peers. I know a lot of homeschoolers are very worried about the social question. They're always trying to sign their kids up to different activities so they can be around other kids. I have a different philosophy. I find that a lot of times my kids' behavior deteriorates when they're around their peer group. And I'd much rather them socialize with other adults and with each other. We have we have our family kind of social unit. And it, that, that kind of builds up the, 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 the family values that I want to instill in my kids and I don't want to deteriorate. But kids do love their friends. And just like fun, uh, just like competition, the social aspect of friends is a powerful motivator. So that's another thing you can use. Just by going to a group, like, like chess club, for instance, my kids just love to go, not just to play chess, but to just be with their friends. So if you, if you limit your kids' access to friends and they don't get to see their friends all the time and, and do whatever they want with their friends, but you're strategic about it, you can use that social event like the geography bee. My kids love to go hang out with the other kids when they're studying the geography bee and they're competing with each other. It's a fun time to see their friends. So we use that social aspect to motivate them um, because that's if, if they want to see their friends that day, it's, it's geography bee or it's, it's jujitsu practice or it's chess club. Not that they don't have free time with their friends, but you can see how we use that as a primary motivator. So like the social aspect is a form of educational alchemy. Another really powerful one. Uh, a few years ago, I talked about this. I actually wrote an article that ended up being really offensive to homeschool moms. And if you know what I write, like I don't, I don't shy away from anything, especially this book, Revealing School. I don't shy away from controversy, but I did write this one article and I offended my core audience that is homeschool moms. Um, I was trying to encourage them to say, hey, this education thing, this homeschooling thing doesn't have to be that hard. I titled my article, homeschooling, it's a piece of cake. Uh, and I was really talking about how if your kid is motivated, homeschooling could be a piece of cake. Um, of course, if your kid isn't motivated, it is that hell that, that a lot of people experience. Um, but man, people were so offended by that article. And they were like, how dare you? You know, you don't know the daily struggle and you're, you're making this seem like this simple thing. And really, I was just trying to encourage them. Uh, but I talked about this form of educational alchemy that has made my homeschooling world so easy and it's absolutely raised the bar to where of, of excellence. But it requires nothing of the parent. It's all on the kids. And that is the next form of educational alchemy that is leadership, letting kids lead. And I don't mean just, just letting them self-lead. I mean letting them run the homeschool. I, I realized this principle a few years ago. I live in the mountains. I actually bought my grandparents farm it's been in the family for a while and right behind our house we have some mountains and a few years ago i took my daughter and a cousin on what i call a never give up hike that is in i think it's actually in the next book it's not out yet it's character it's coming in a few months but talk about forming character and i wanted to take them on this never i call it the, the never quit or never give up hike and basically it's a hard hike up a steep steep hill in our backyard i think my daughter was like five and my my cousin my niece my niece was seven and we didn't get very far and I was leading them and I was trying to encourage them and we can do it. And they were whining, they had rocks in their shoes and they were already getting blisters and it was too hot and we were never gonna make it. Um, so what I did is I actually, I let them lead. I got behind them and I kind of fun, you know, grumbled and complained and said I couldn't keep up. And But I let them take off and they could run ahead of me as far as they, they, they wanted to um, out of sight. And they were just thrilled to be able to take the lead. And they just giggled their way and ran their way to the top. No more crying, no more complaining. It was amazing letting kids lead. Um, it's such a powerful form of motivation. And so we did it to our homeschool is me and my wife, we, we both work full time. I write. I write all the time. I also illustrate books um, like Dino Hunt. I'm an author, illustrator. And then, of course, I run the online academy. So I'm super busy. So you'd think 
is, is a homeschool parent who promotes homeschooling and writes all this stuff. I'm just sitting there with my kids eight hours a day, going over the books and stuff, but that's not the case. We're very busy, um, and thankfully, it works because of leadership. So what we decided to do is, is we have three of our oldest kids. They're the only ones that, that we're ready. We don't let them take on leadership until past the age of, of reason. We say seven. So when my son was seven and my daughter, second daughter was nine, and then the oldest one was 11, we, we actually instituted this thing where they would be the governor or governess for the day. And my son, he's, he's young, so he gets one day. We don't want to overwhelm him. But on Monday, he's in charge. And then Tuesday and Wednesday is the, the daughter who's now 10. And then my oldest, Audrey, who's 12, she takes three days. And during this time, they're not just practicing leadership. They're running the homeschool. They actually sit down because they've been through the curriculum. They sit down. They teach their, their little brothers. We have a family of seven. So they're teaching the younger ones. They're teaching them phonics. They're teaching them math. They're teaching them geography. They're running the homeschool. They're running the chores. So it's, it's really hands-off from us. It's not perfect system, but it's funny how on their day, Instead of being overwhelmed by this, they wake up early, they're more excited. They always have a little bit better attitude on their day when they're the governess or governor when they're running the home. And that's because educate or leadership, for whatever reason, is a powerful form of educational alchemy. Kids like to leave. It's a powerful form of motivation. And we thought, oh man, well, if we're letting the little ones, you know, our kids teach the kids, is the standard gonna be dropped? And actually we saw the opposite. Because they have more time, they're so motivated on their day, they've actually raised the bar. And they know that curriculum inside and out because they've been doing it. So they've actually raised the bar and our younger ones are reading faster. Their level of chess, because our whole family does chess, we have three state champions. The other ones have yet to compete, but they're getting better and better and better as they're teaching each other. And the other cool thing about teaching is, leadership and teaching is, when you take ownership, teaching is the highest form of of learning. Because if you can process everything and teach it to another person, it shows you've really mastered it. You have to wrestle with it and think, okay, it's not just enough that I, I, I know it, but why do I know it? How does it work? And you can pass that on. So the kids are actually re-educating themselves. They're going over and reviewing all their geography, all that math. Then a lot of kids, they take the class and then they just, they just forget about it. They've never seen it again. They forget. Our kids are actually going back and, and redoing those lessons. So it's reinforcing everything they learned. So it's been amazing. And it's it's so easy for us. So I see all these homeschool moms, and they're just burned out. I'm like, man, you've got six kids and you're trying to teach them all of these different grades. What if you put the other kids in charge? It would be a great leadership exercise for them. It'd be motivating for them. It'd be exciting. They could plan the lessons. They could start taking, um, and by the way, I mean, leadership is a powerful skill. When they get out, you know, outside of academia and they're, they're leading families or they're leading businesses. Powerful skill. Why not take that opportunity and let them lead? It'll motivate them. It's a very powerful motivator. It's exciting. So if you don't have any siblings, maybe you have an only child or there's such an age gap or the other kids are out and the, you know, maybe you have a little kid who's, who's too young to lead, you can start giving them uh, autonomy over themselves. Not, not complete, but maybe when you're picking out curriculum, instead of going by yourself, you start getting your kids input. Hey, what do you think of these two books? Which one would you prefer? And maybe, I mean, you're the boss you get the best curriculum for them. But if you give them a voice, they'll be so much more eager. They'll, they'll feel like it's, uh, they'll, they'll take ownership of it. They'll feel like it's it's their education. They'll take ownership of it. So that's a powerful motivator. Okay, so that's educational alchemy. There's a, there's a ton of forms of educational alchemy. I talk about them in the book. These are just a few of them. But we said fun. That's the obvious one. That's, that's everybody's default. Competition, powerful. Save competition. Remember, don't use this all the time. Save it for when you need it. Like my daughter... 
she loved to read. We, we did have a little road bump for a while, but she, for the most part, she loves to read. I don't have to do that for reading. She loves to read, but I, I do it for subjects that maybe they're not super thrilled about, but we have fun, we have competition, we have friends, we have leadership. Okay, the next form of turning education into a primary motivator is relativity. Let me just, sorry. Okay, relativity. I learned this in, in the military as well. So when I was going through some training, we went through a school assault called SEER. SEER is where the military teaches you how to survive, evade capture. So this is like you get shot down behind enemy lines or your com combat soldier, infantry or something, you get separated, you're out alone with a small team, surviving the wilderness. So survive, evade. So you don't just survive, you have to evade being caught, hide, right? Um, and then after you're captured, you have to resist when they're, you know, torturing you and stuff, you learn to resist. And then of course you plan and escape. So that's, that's what SEER school is. Um, but the funny, the cool part was, is, is it really taught me the, uh, how, how, how powerful relativity is. So during the survival part, we went out into the woods and we're out there for a week and they don't give you any, any food. And I went out there in January because nobody else wanted to go. So I was the guy to go from our unit because it's really hard in the winter. You, you couldn't get fire going. You couldn't catch anything. Everything's hibernating pretty much. Uh, we'd set out these snare traps. They'd be covered by snow, you know, just totally covered in the morning. So we didn't get any food. And so for a week, I basically starved. We barely got enough water to hydrate ourselves as we're trying to melt it, getting our fires going. Um, just a brutal week. I remember getting out there the first few days being so cold and having, we had to take off our gloves to, to tie our knots and stuff like that to set up our shelter, just freezing, shivering, and, uh, and just being starving the whole week, um, especially the first few days. It actually gets easier as time goes on. But just not eating anything for several days and working sun up to sundown and you're carrying maybe a, a 50 pound rucksack on your back traveling all day. You're just starving, right? Well, at the end of the week, we finally got rescued and we got our, we got our first meal and it was the best meal I've ever had. And it's still to this day, I wish I could go back and taste it again. It's so good. And I'm going to give you the recipe. Okay. They had a huge pot. They put a whole bunch of water in it. They put a full uh, just a few bullion cubes, like, like broth, that's what it was, broth. And then the secret sauce was, you know, gallons, a thousand gallons of hunger. We were starving. And so we ate that soup. It wasn't just relative like, oh, this is good compared to what we, you know, compared to nothing. It literally tasted amazing because we were so hungry. We loved the soup. We went back for extras. And to this day, I'm like, man, that's the best meal I ever had. So satisfying. And it just shows how everything is, is, is relative. Obviously, I wouldn't have been interested in that, that bowl of soup and it wouldn't have tasted good. If I was back home and I was, I was feeding myself every day, delicious meals, my wife is cooking, going out to restaurants and eating, just have all that, that wonderful food around, I would have never appreciated that, that bowl of bullion soup. So we can apply this to education. I see all the time parents are like, my kid just wants to play video games. He's just obsessed with video games and he doesn't want to do his math and yeah, by comparison, uh, math is boring compared to the video games. So that's that's actually normal. That's not a problem for the kids. The problem is the access to the video games, constant access to the video games. If your children don't like history or math or science or reading or, or whatever, it's always relative. It's always by comparison. Our children are so spoiled. They have access to so much. Their friends are a mouse click away. They can they can so, social media instant access to your friends. Back 
you know, a few hundred years ago even, you didn't have that kind of access. You hardly ever saw your friends, just maybe on holidays and weekends or the occasional ball or something like that. But friends live miles down the road and you had a horse, you didn't see him all the time um, until the advent of school, I guess. And even then you're not socializing the way kids do today. <clears throat> you, you think of entertainment. Back in the day, the king, he'd go see a play every once in a while and you had these actors preparing you know, months and months and months to prepare this amazing play, which is so simplistic to what we have. Our kids can click any access to thousands of movies, professional animated movies, a mouse click away, um, access to it, all these entertaining books, not educational books, but entertaining books. Like, like, I don't know, when I was a kid, we all read Goosebumps. The, the Goosebumps is competing with your kids' academic studies. It's always going to be more exciting and interesting than the math. And so we live in a world that's just full of entertainment and luxury. It's all around our kids. Of course, they're going to be distracted. Of course, they're going to be bored with their academics, but it's relative. You can make your kids love their academics by removing some of these distractions through relativity. So, um, you know, and I really realized like this was a problem in my own home when my daughter, who used to love to read, my oldest daughter read all the time. But is she is kind of we kind of loosened up her rules and gave her more access to video games and somebody bought her um, a video game like Zelda and we weren't watching all the time. She, we ended up finding out she was playing it quite a bit and all of a sudden I got her. I wanted to get her interested in reading again. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna get her something amazing. I'm gonna get her the Narnia series. She'll love this. And she she read a little bit, flipped through some pages, and then um she, she was like, it's boring. I couldn't believe that. I remember reading at the same age, the Narnia series, and just loving those books. And so for my daughter to say it was boring, it just it just shocked me. And I said, you know, something has gone wrong here with, with her childhood. I need to reassess what's, what's going on. And, um, you know, I know a lot of kids too. You have mo classic movies like, you know, Anna Green Gables, such a good, I love that movie into my teen years. And today, so many teams think, oh, that's silly or that's childish. And it's by relativity because they're seeing such exciting, crazy horror flicks and all this just crazy, crazy extreme stuff, fantasy. That they, they look at an amazing movie like The Sound of Music or Anna Green Gables and they find it boring. And, and it's because they're spoiled. Like we spoiled those movies for them by, by allowing them the 100, you know, 24-7 access to just crazy excitement all the time. So we got rid of the video games. We let them play, you know, some video games when on, on holidays. And sometimes after they finish all their chores on the weekends, they can play a little bit or they can watch a few movies. But that's it. We don't do movies throughout the week. We don't do TV. If you want entertainment, you read your books. We also got rid of a lot of the fantasy novels and this stuff that it's it's cool. I, I talk about this other places. It's, it's great that they're reading kind of. But we want them to get excited about reading the histories and the classics, the powerful books that change the world. And by comparison, the classics are not easy. They're challenging reads. You have to look up words, but they're worth it. And, and I don't want my kids getting a cheap thrill from entertainment. So after removing that stuff, almost immediately, my kids found their way back into the books. And the, the math is fun on its own. It's a challenge. It can be exciting. It's only by comparison that kids don't like math. Um, or reading or spelling, you know, education is exciting. It should be. So one way, of course, to get your kids excited about the primary motivator, education, making that the primary motivator is to detox your home from all that 24 seven access to friends and entertainment that the kids really aren't meant to have. 
it, it's it's something that's that's never happened before in history. We have more entertainment. Our kid, the poorest kid in America, has access to more entertainment and thrill and excitement than kings used to have access to. When, when you think about movies and media and technology, you used to have to go to the opera and maybe go once a month and you listen to that opera. It's like, man, that's the most beautiful thing. Kids can click a mouse and listen to anything they want, any form of music. In, in the most perfect version of it that was filmed in a studio, recorded in a studio, just highest quality. But what it does is it kind of makes everything mundane and, uh, and it makes everything below that that doesn't live up to that perfect standard, boring. Um, so just remove that stuff and watch how your kids will find their way into their education. That's the positive side of it. There's also the other way through relativity. So my boy Colton, uh, he loves math. He's a math, math genius, super good at chess, amazing. He loves to build really cool really good kid I, he's very good kid but there's one thing he hates and that is spelling no interest in spelling whatsoever uh, we wanted to get him interested in spelling we tried different things we got him some fun activities just no interest in spelling so at some point uh, we, i used a law i call double motivation or double load motivation and this is using relativity <clears throat> i got him really excited to do his his spelling worksheets and i just said colton today i'm going to give you a choice you can do one spelling worksheet or you can do two, one or two. And he was super excited to do the one because by comparison, one spelling worksheet is exciting compared to two worksheets. Um, and a few times we've had to threaten, uh, threaten, actually threaten different things before it didn't really work. Uh, one time I was like, all right, Colin, like I'm gonna give you a choice. You can do your spelling worksheets or you could do the dog poop, go clean up the dog poop. And uh, that backfired because he's like, sweet, I'll do the dog poop any day. He actually liked that more. And that's where we had to resort to uh, think, okay, what is well, the one thing he hates more than spelling? Oh, more spelling, double load motivation. So one worksheet, and if you do that one worksheet with a good attitude, you don't have to do two. And that motivated him to do the one worksheet. And, um, and the cool thing is, is you can build a tolerance to things or you can build, you can build up a uh, a taste for things. So just by getting your kid doing it once in a while, they will grow to like it. Like I didn't used to like to read until I went to a military boarding school and that they would sit us down for two hours of mandatory study time. And I used to study not at all. And two hours was absolutely hell the first few nights. And it wasn't, it didn't come natural to me. It was horrible, but it was not an option. The only thing you could do was study for two hours or you could do nothing. You could just sit there and, and Pick your nose, you know, but you couldn't get out of your seat. You couldn't use the restroom. You couldn't even ask for help or anything. You just sat there and you studied and it does get better. So in the beginning, it was very painful. But after a while, you know, you, you build up a tolerance to it um, and, and you actually start to enjoy your studies. I actually used to look forward to my study time. I didn't have to do chores or anything. I could just focus on reading. So just because at the onset, your kid isn't super thrilled about what they're doing, um, you can you can build that up. Uh, by using relativity and making education the primary motivator. Okay, so just to cover again, you know, think about it. Math is never going to compete with Call of Duty. You can fight that endless battle, and if you're doing that, that's your fault. Like, you allowed Call of Duty to come into your home. If you want Call of Duty for your kids, then lock it away and bring it out when maybe friends come over once in a while, weekends or holidays. 
but you're never going to make your kid as excited about his math as Call of Duty. You can't allow the two to compete. It's not fair. Call of Duty will always win and it'll be to your own kid's detriment. So I know our kids like video games are just so popular in movies and stuff, TV, so popular in our culture. If you want to give your kids an elite education, if you want this homeschooling process to be fun and enjoyable and your kids to genuinely like it, like I like that broth. It was genuinely tasteful. You have to practice primary motivators. You have to use alchemy. And we talked about many, there's really a ton of forms of alchemy, but we talked about fun today. We talked about competition. We talked about leadership. Uh, we talked about, you know, friends is socializing as a form of alchemy. And then of course, relativity, we just talked about, you can use positive relativity by removing those exciting things so that, that homeschooling is the most exciting thing. And then you can use negative relativity by introducing something bad and giving your kid the option. Okay. Two, two worksheets or one, and your kid will enjoy the two. It'll be easy in comparison. So those are just two ways. Guys, if you guys want to know more, there's a whole bunch more to Raising Children for Greatness. We're coming out the whole series. The first book was was uh, Revealing School. It's a pretty thick book. It's super fascinating. I, I've had people read that book in a weekend because it's so interesting. It shows you exactly what not to do because so many parents get home and they just duplicate what they've learned in school. They just duplicate that model at home. And it's like going to a bad restaurant, getting a bad meal and then asking for the recipe. It doesn't work in school, it doesn't work at home. This book, Education, is where we start talking about what is an elite education, what is raising children for greatness. There's a two-tiered education system in this country. There are elite prep schools and there are public schools. Um, so when we talk about raising children for greatness, we're talking about raising them or educating in the mode of the elite prep schools, which are doing a fantastic job. While, while the public schools are failing and a lot of homeschoolers are just, you know, they're doing great. At, you know, I won't get into why they don't perform as well as the prep schools. I do in this book. But um, we are going to educate our kids for greatness in the mode of the prep schools so they can have success at the highest levels. Um, that is this book. The next book is Character. That'll be coming out here in just a few months. And Character is continuing that series because in Raising Children for Greatness, Character is King. It's probably the most important part of elite education. So that's coming. But if you'd like to know more about this, if you'd like to know more about motivation, how do you can motivate your kids for greatness so that every day isn't a struggle, highly recommend Education, The Art of Raising Children for Greatness. It is on Amazon. Um, and then, of course, we also have Blue Banner Academy. That's an online site. Not the most exciting site in the world. Um, it's a great site, though. We have classic curriculum. We, our, our goal is not to entertain your kids. It's not going to hook your kids. It's going to be the classics. It's going to be reading them. It's going to be it just – we talk about our system in the book. You can read it. But anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Hope you get – you get a lot out of these these different conferences and talks. If you have any questions, you know, ask them below. I'm happy to, to answer any of your questions. And hopefully this tip on motivating your kids will be powerful. It'll make homeschooling a piece of cake for you guys. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you later.